Welcome to another episode of Superman Movie Minute, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It's the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly eyes. 1978's Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm very excited to be talking about Superman once again. This is uh, minutes 21 through 25. It opens with Krypton continuing to crumble, and it mm-hmm. ends, the section ends with Baby Kal-El lifting the truck. So there's a lot of stuff happens here because we make it all the way from Krypton into Smallville. So we said the opening scenes are, I would say, the vision of hell on earth. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, and, and for a movie that's aimed at, you know, children, uh, Donner doesn't soften this. Like the, the footage of the Kryptonians just falling into these crevices is pretty horrifying, especially when the light is all red. I mean, it looks like it's Dante's Inferno. Yeah, I mean, that, that uh, like I said, that really stuck with me as a kid, you know, just all these, I mean, it's it's all these bodies just tumbling and falling, and, and of course, like we said, the, the reflective material that they that they wore, every, everything is just, you know, all the crystalline, the, the former white crystalline uh, structures of Krypton are all in red from the red sun. I mean, it's, it's, it is horrific. And I mean, just the idea of, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a fan of heights anyway. So, yeah, right. I, so it's, uh, it, that's always disturbed me. I just, when you see that last shot of just them fall, I mean, just this and the music, the John Williams music that, I mean, that just, you know, it's just, it's like, Oh, it's, ugh. yeah, it's, it's, it's really horrifying. I mean, not to get like too deep into things, but like to me, uh, the worst kind of death you could have would be that you are conscious enough, long enough to kind of see it coming. Like that mm-hmm. to me is, and so like when you're watching, excuse me, when you're watching these Kryptonians fall, like they're living long enough to understand what's happening to them. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like the thing just explodes. I mean, like everybody on the Death Star, nobody knew that was coming. They just right. explode. But I mean, right. you're, when you're tumbling off of these giant structures into this fiery pit, you're you're awake. You're, you know, and you hear yeah. them like, ah, it's awful. It's just awful. And it's it. I, I, I really give Richard Donner credit, as I will for everything, because I love to wax the man's car as much as I can. But I mean, right. he really doesn't soften the blow. He really doesn't. And I love the very, the, um, the next thing that we get is the faraway shot of Krypton. And I love, you just mentioned the music, that there's silence. Yeah. There's just silence, and then the boom happens. I love that little moment of just that that calm before everything goes supernova. Right. I mean, I think it's interesting to, you know, different versions of Superman. Sometimes the planet explodes. Here, the sun explodes and takes the planet with it. You know, right. I mean, that's that. So, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, that's that's easy to forget sometimes. But I, you know, I think part of it. What I really too like right before you get the explosion, though, I mean, we do get a lot of the destruction of Krypton. It's it sells the horror of it, but Donner also doesn't linger on it to the point where it becomes destruction porn. Yeah, you know, yes. I mean, it's not just gratuitous. It's just okay. Here's 20 minutes of every structure on Krypton crumbling and falling. You know, I mean, it it, it tells he he. He, he times it exactly right, in my opinion. You get just enough to say, "Oh my God, that's horrible!" And then, boom, the planet explodes. And it's it's 
<clears throat> and because I think I like that it is it's almost like compared to explosions we get in movies now, I mean even in like Star Trek Six when the you know Praxis explodes mm-hmm. and all that, you get the shock wave that comes off of it. And of course that's part of the story because it hits the Excelsior and all that stuff. But but uh, to me I like that it's kind of in a way small because it kind of I don't know. There's this part of me. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but the that's lofty. What that's what we're here for, Chris. Yeah, exactly. That's true. The lofty, high-minded Kryptonians just went boop, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's kind of that's kind of the way I look at it. You know, it's like they're just gone. You know, I mean, it's like and it's over, and they're gone, and it's not. There's not this grandiose twenty minutes of the fragments of the the planet flying apart. It's just poof, gone. Yeah, this great civilization, you know, with all their advancements, and it's all just it's all just gone. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's extremely well done. You mentioned that it's it doesn't go on too long. I think partly that has to be the work of the editor Stuart Baird, who mm-hmm. was uh, not his, not a great director. Uh, he he ended up directing Star Trek Nemesis, which is, ugh. but oh, as, yeah. as but he uh, worked on who worked with Donner on The Omen. And here he worked with him again on Superman the movie, and he was a great editor, terrific editor. And I think this movie is is everybody kind of working at their peak. Because uh, you're right, this scene does this scene does not go on too long to where it does become Michael Bay disaster porn. It gives you just enough of the horror, and then boom, we move on to something else. And in fact, the transition is pretty remarkable because after we get the explosion, you know, we follow uh, Baby Kal-el's rocket ship. Through space, and I love that the John Williams score immediately changes to this kind of light, fanciful. You know, it, yeah. the tone is very different because now the horror part of the the movie's over, and now it's all about discovery. You know, now right. it's all about the potential, and because we all know what's about to happen, we all know where Cal's journey is going to end. But we get at least a couple moments of you know he is traveling great distances, huge distances, and we get the shots of the baby inside the crystal, and we hear uh, the audiobooks that uh, <laughs> that Jorel recorded. Now, I have a question for you that I have never been able to square, and, and maybe you'll maybe you've figured this out in a sort of no prizey way for your, for your own satisfaction because we hear Kal-El I'm, I'm sorry, we sort of hear Jor-El Marlon Brando talk about Earth history. Yeah. And he mentions Einstein and he talks about mathematics. Now, they have established though that Krypton in Earth's time blew up many thousands of years ago. So how mm. do they know about Einstein? <laughs> There's no Einstein yet. How is that a thing? <laughs> Good, good point. I mean, unless they've got some some way to see, I've never even thought of that. But to 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 peer into through time, you know, which if they could do that, couldn't they figure out Krypton was going to explode? Yeah, I know. I know. I never fully understood how Jor-El can know about anything from Earth's time in the nineteen. 19- 30s and 40s and be able to tell his son about it but you know okay we'll, we'll we'll figure that maybe they're in some sort of other dimensional thing and you've got some wormholes i mean because clearly like we don't exactly know how long cal is traveling no I mean, he yeah that's true because he seems to grow up normal when he when he hits earth which we'll get to in a moment he seems to grow at a normal pace right but he, clearly he's traveling many hundreds of thousands of maybe millions of miles and yet he's only grown like a year or two or so because of course when he lands he's still basically a toddler right he's he's got you know he goes from being a you know fairly bald baby to having a shock of you know black hair and he's got a full head of hair by the time he lands on uh 
lands on Earth, but it, it says that he travels. There's 28 known galaxies, and he's got an audio tape for each one. And then, uh, <laughs> and then there's six galaxies that he crosses. Um, that Marlon Brando says. So, uh, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty. I think it's a pretty long trip, and I and I think you kind of can. There's there's enough of the uh, the uh, uh, single cell organism. Uh, trick photography that they did mm. that's so beautiful uh, that was at the beginning of this of the the credit sequence as well that he passes through to kind of feel like he's going through wormholes and mm-hmm. you know portals and you know things that as he as he goes and and maybe that's the no prize maybe this probably the the science minded people like Siskoid that listen to this will probably scoff at this but maybe uh, maybe if you you know, whatever probe or something that Jor-El sent through, maybe he sent it through the same way. And so that way, if he sent it through sometime soon and got all this information back, then maybe that's why he has the, you know, Einstein's theories, because, you know, I don't know, maybe that doesn't make a lick of sense, but I can tell myself it makes sense. Yeah, it, it, does, <laughs> it never really bothered me too much. It's why, but yeah, I think there's there's certainly a lot of, Kryptonian science that is, as they say, indistinguishable from magic. And, uh, you know, ironically, because Superman is, of course, vulnerable to magic, as he should be. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can't quite square, which is fine. Now, when we're, as we've talked about in previous episodes, we are doing the, um, the original cut, the original 143 cut of the movie, not the director's cut. But I do want to mention that in the director's cut, we see the Phantom Zone villains go by mm-hmm. in their little thing. And I don't I mean, it's not a big deal, but I don't like that. I don't like that we're reminded of the Phantom Zone villains. I think it feels like a cheat that, yeah. you know, oh, we're going to see him again. I think it it works perfectly fine that you see them in the opening and you don't see them again. We don't need that reminder that they're out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe if they'd shown them, I don't, I don't really think we needed it, but if they'd shown them, they witnessed Krypton explode, you know, then that might have been interesting, you know, wow. but, but to, to, to have, you know, uh, just Kal El's ship, just you know, go by while they're basically stuck along the side of the road. Was kind of, <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute! You know, it's like, yeah. I got my thumb out. What's you know, yeah. uh, hitchhiking Zod? You know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's you know, we, of course, we get a lot of uh, you know, he's he's uh, Jor-El's talking about the powers he'll have, and then he cuts to a the the bloody mosaic of interplanetary war, the early history of of Krypton, and and. Uh, and then, of course, as he gets near Earth, we get the line that's going to be repeated later on in the movie. It is forbidden for you to interfere with human history. Mm-hmm. Remember I, that, kids. <laughs> I, I am sure kal will stick to that, to the letter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, he finally arrives, gets to Earth. I love the shot of the spaceship as the little spiky things start to crumble. Yes. I think that's a neat I like I don't know what it means in terms of the movie, but it feels like they're almost like shock absorbers. Like they're yes. they're kind of like slowing the ship down as it goes through the atmosphere. Because why else would you build it with all those spiky things for that to happen? Right. And 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 then the uh, the inside of the ship, like the outside of the ship starts to turn red, and then the inside around him turns blue, like a cool blue, like as if to say things have kicked in to pr- protect him as he, you know, enters the atmosphere so he won't burn up. 
Yeah. I like that. That's just a little quick little visual thing that you wouldn't, if you're not paying attention, you won't pick up, you know, but thankfully to what, for this podcast, I'm paying a lot of attention. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're <laughs> doing, we're doing granular detail at this point. So yeah, no, it's terrific. It's, 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 it's all nice little subtle stuff, which I think is, is really good. So then at the 23 to 27 mark, we get our first shot of the Kents. We have Glenn Ford, the great Glenn Ford, Mm-hmm. And Phyllis Thaxter as Ma and Pa Kent driving their truck. And um, in the commentary, again, I'm going to go on and on and on about the commentary track that uh, Richard Donner and Tom Mankiewicz did because it's my favorite commentary track. But Mankiewicz said that uh, when they were shooting these scenes, it sort of dawned on him what, like in the middle of shooting, that they're like, wow. That's Glenn Ford. You know, <laughs> we've got Glenn Ford in this movie. I mean, you know, Gilda, you know, I mean, like all the, this great actor, legendary actor, we've got Glenn Ford for this part. And then there's another great story where apparently um, uh, Ford is talking to Donner and they had worked together on a TV series before this. So they had known one another. And Ford mm. said something to Donner along the fact of, can you only shoot me mostly from the left? Because the right side of my face is messed up. And Donner's like, what are you talking about? You're a handsome man. But he says, no, 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 no. He says, I got kicked in the face by a horse on a Western. <laughs> and, and, and ever since then, the side of my face is messed up. And Donner apparently like moved the camera and he said, you know what? He was right. Yeah, his face is a little messed up. So he apparently tried to keep, Don, keep uh, Glenn Ford from a particular angle after that. But I, I love how tough actors were in the old days. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got kicked in the face by a horse. Not a big deal. Like that could kill you if you could kick yeah. in the face by a horse. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, how many westerns did Glenn Ford make? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Know, made a Three Ten to Yuma. I mean, all these amazing things. Oh, yeah. God, I love Three Ten to Yuma. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I mean, and yeah, and and just the fact that you know those guys, you know, they had you know had to know how to ride a horse. They all knew how to ride horses, and just yep. I mean. Sing were, and dance. They had to do everything, those guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, know how to pull a gun out fast, like, you know, lightning <laughs> fast and stuff. I mean, yeah, it's like incredible. Yeah. It's just that, it's just, you know, the, the Hollywood stars of yesterday year, just the things they could do. Of course, nowadays, the, the Hollywood stars of today have to be like super buff and, right, you know, right. work out all the time and have to do a certain amount of their own stunts and stuff. So I guess it's, it's a trade off, but yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just love the idea of just, you know, yeah, just being so nonchalant about, it. yeah, I got kicked in the face by a horse. <laughs> all right. All right. It, it was funny. My daughter, Danny walked in while I was watching this on the TV and all I had just had it paused on, uh, the, a shot of the, the Kent's, uh, in the cab of the the truck, you know, looking through the windshield uh, right before the the rocket hits, and she's like, "Oh, are you watching Superman?" So <laughs> I'm like, "I raised that kid right." You know, there you she, go. Inst- she instantly knew what it was. <laughs> That's yeah, you don't need. She doesn't need to see Christopher Reeve to know it's it's Superman. So right, yeah. Uh, I love Glenn Ford's fedora. I mean, I love all that kind of. 30s look kind of thing oh, yeah. and then they look and they see that the big trail of the ship and then they the great shot of them from the the pit and they lean over and they look shocked and then we see little baby kellel as we talked about in the preview episode full frontal <laughs> nudity here for the baby but i i like that they it sounds so silly and i don't i don't know but like i'm glad that they don't cover him up because it would just be so fake like right. you know, he wouldn't be covered up. They put a baby in a ship. You know what I mean? It's just it's very natural, and so I think it's really cute. And they're and then they have the conversation about you know uh, she says, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to keep him? And you know he's 
looking skeptical, of course, and she's yeah. sorry, she starts crafting the story about we could say it's my my sister's child from upstate and all this yeah. other kind of stuff, and you know, and then of course it's the whole thing with uh, Glenn Ford is uh, uh, is fixing the truck, and here they they layer in there's the comment about his heart. Right. Where she says, be careful, you know, you know your heart. And he's like, oh, come on. So, you know, just in that one little piece of dialogue, you're just setting the thing. Of, OK, we know what's going to happen. That's great screenwriting. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just it's subtle. It goes by really fast because you know, he's an older man. The Kents here are, are older people. They're not um, John Schneider and Annette O'Toole. They're, no. they're they're older people, and so of course, you know, a guy Glenn Ford's age, move, trying to pull this giant tire off of this big truck, it's a strenuous activity, especially when you're in the middle of like Kansas heat. So yeah, it's, it's a great little great little bit of foreshadowing. There there's so many nice little subtle moments, like when they first get out of the truck, even though he heard an explosion off to his left and saw a flash of light, Jonathan is being a typical man is more concerned about a flat tire because he, right. he, right. he looks at the truck and she looks over at what just happened right. and then she has to call his attention to it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And she calls him, one thing I noticed, she calls him Pa even though they don't have a kid just yet. Oh, I didn't even she, notice that, does she? Yeah, she says Pa. And like, like oh, look, funny. you know, she didn't say look, but she's like, Pa. And then they look and, 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 you know, so I like that, that they already were calling themselves Ma and Pa, because a lot of people do that, you know, they mm-hmm. or they used to, you know, they would be Ma and Pa, can't even, if because that just goes with being a married couple, you know. Huh, I don't uh, think I've ever noticed that, or if I've heard it, I just it just goes right over my head. That's interesting, that's funny. Yeah, yeah I, I like, the, the music is ominous as they come up to the crater, mm-hmm. and then it's a light version of the Superman theme when they see mm-hmm. what's inside, so that's that's really that's really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we see the red and the blue. We see like his blankets, you know, yeah. on the side. So again, we're going to, a little indication. I love that when he's fixing the truck and she starts floating the theory. Well, we could just say, you know, he's my yeah. sister's boy from, a, and the look he gives her and he has the whole yeah. Martha Clark Kent, which is funny. Clark. I've never yep. known that to be a woman's name. Uh, well, that's her maiden name. See, Martha. Oh, Clark. is that what it is? Oh, yeah. her name Ma- is Martha Clark. Yes. That's, uh, oh, that's never- from the co- yeah, that's from the comics. Her name was Martha Clark. And, oh, I never knew uh, that. Oh, wow. So that's where Clark gets his uh, – he gets his name from her maiden name. So I never knew that. I am yep. a bad nerd. I never <laughs> knew any of that. That's interesting. Okay, cool. Martha. Yeah. Martha. Why did you say that? Yeah, okay. No, no, no we're talking about Superman the movie. Uh, so, good, <laughs> good Superman movie. Huh? Good Superman movie. <clears throat> Let's not yeah. – okay, come on. Let's yeah, be nice. Sorry. Uh, I think so, that uh, kal I'm sorry. I, I think kal that – speaking of those movies, uh, I think kal or Baby Clark as he's called uh, is Aaron Smolinski. Uh, he also played an Army communications officer in Man of Steel. I didn't know that either. Oh, that's great. Good for him. Yes. he's he. I think he actually was at the Metropolis Superman – Celebration a few years back, maybe right after Man of Steel come out. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's actually been in two Superman movies, and I think I think no, I think he's been in three Superman movies because if I if I remember right, and I don't have I didn't look it up. I think he is the kid that gets the picture of Superman in the photo booth changing, and Christopher Reeve comes out in Superman three and rips the parts of him as Clark changing and hands him the picture of Superman before he flies off, really? which I love. 
I love that scene. I know that everybody hates that. That whole scene is nothing but slapstick goofiness. But I love that scene because that is so Superman that he's like, well, I'll give the kid the one of just me. Here, go. Right. Here you go. <laughs> and then it flies off. I mean, I think that's Smolensky. I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is. So That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. He's been in three Superman movies, if that's good, the case. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Glad he could parlay that and take a little thing. So, yeah. And so this these five minutes end on a shot of uh, Mon Pa as it is dawning them, dawning on them uh, what they've got here. Because we see little baby Kal-El picking up the truck. And, uh, you know, it's kind of – it's funny. You know, you realize all this stuff had to be done practically. Now, clearly, the truck is – you know, on a crane and it's being held, but nevertheless, they are still placing a baby under a truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's the kind of thing now that I'm not even sure they could get away with. No, I'm, I don't uh, think so. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I mean, that's, and the kid, I mean, the kid sells it. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. this just cute little smile on his face, like as if to say, this is just like, you know, him picking up, a toy, you know, I mean, it literally is. And, and of course that him first thing he does is pick up a truck that kind of calls back to Superman's first act in the comics was picking up that car on action number one. So that's, that's a nice little nod. And, and, uh, this was always my dad's favorite scene in the whole movie. He always loved the scene where, where, uh, where Clark, maybe Clark picks up the truck. I don't know why, but that was just the scene that he always gets chuckle out of. I think it's because of, uh, Glenn Fry's, uh, Glenn Fry. <laughs> that would Glenn. be an amazing casting. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he did it was an actor, but Glenn Ford's reaction to uh, uh, to it. But of course, that's in the next episode, so we can't really talk about right. that yet. But. Well, you know, we can we can be a little loose here and there with some of the roles. But yeah, this is we're 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 about to get to the moment where the the Kents are realizing this is weird. This is this is very weird. What's what's going on? But you're right. right. The kid does sell it. Like the kid looks like he's actually picking up the truck. They managed mm-hmm. to get him to kind of mimic it. And, and of course, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know this. They don't talk about it in the audio commentary, but I mean that I, as I said, I think that's a real truck. That's not like a paper yeah. truck or a fake truck, which means no. they had to like lift the truck in sync with the kid moving his arms and they do a really good job. It looks genuine. It looks real. Yes, it does. I mean, it, it completely, every, everybody and all the, all the, the crew and everything completely sell that shot. And it's such an important, it's, it's a, it's a moment from that movie. Everybody remembers, everybody remembers when the baby picks up the truck, you know, in fact, I have a Superman, the movie trash can, a metal trash can, that's got a painting of Christopher Reeve's Superman on the front. The back is that scene oh, wow. of baby Kal-El lifting the truck with the Kents down in the road, looking up at him all aghast, you know? So. Cool. Oh man. It was so, we're going to, when we finish this movie, we are going to have to do a, like a special episode on like the Superman movie merch. Yes. There was just so much merch. Just yes. so much. I mean, aside from the Treasury comic, which we'll we'll do, we'll talk about on a Treasury Cast at some point. But I mean, just so many toys and puzzles and games. It was a whole merchandising onslaught because it's Superman. Uh, this is probably a discussion for another episode, but Superman was really the first blockbuster, I'd say, post Star Wars, mm-hmm. where you could sort of where you know merchandisers realized, hey, there's gold in them thar hills. You know, we could. We can make a fortune on this stuff. And so Superman, the, the the world was blanketed with Superman merchandise in the wake of this movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it already had quite a bit in the 70s. But, yeah, it, it's like it just doubled it. You know what I mean? And a lot of it had 
the uh, the the Superman, the movie, the crystal logo, and you know some photographs had some photographs of Reeve, and and uh, and so yeah, there was quite a bit, and even stuff that was kind of tangentially tied in, like the twelve inch. Mego figures that right. kind of looked like the actors, right. you know, <laughs> but Lex kind of looked like Gene Hackman, but he was in his, you know, Super Friends era costume, you know, so yeah, it's, it's fun stuff like that. Yeah. That's a that's a bonus episode with Brian Heiler for another day. Is the, yes, the, the Superman, the movie Mego dolls, which are not Superman movie Mego dolls. So yes. Uh, so is there anything else we want to say about these five minutes before we wrap up? Uh, I, you know, these I think these are some of the most important minutes in the movie i mean krypton krypton explodes and he gets adopted by the kids i mean what happens in five minutes yeah i mean yeah in five minutes this is essentially the origin of superman <laughs> so well it's executed. fantastic yeah well well staged and well edited and well everything so it's just it's really great so all right well that is going to do it for this uh this section of uh, the movie superman the movie uh, this is going to be episode five of Superman Movie Minutes. Of course, you can find both Chris's shows and my shows over on our network, which is finewaterpodcast.com. Chris, of course, you do – what shows do you do? I do Supermates. I do Batman Nightcast. I do Power Records. Uh, and I do occasional uh, Where Does He Get Those Wonderful Toys on Fire & Water Presents, uh, which, you know – Superman toys come up from time to time. So there you go. Absolutely. Yep. And I do Treasury Cast and Fire and Water Podcast and Film and Water Podcast and Pod Dylan and Digest Cast and a million other, too many other shows that I do. Uh, And I do want to thank, we want to reach out and always thank uh, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer, who were the creators of this movie by minute format with the Super Star Wars. Uh, minute uh, for letting us borrow it and uh, welcoming us uh, so much into the the fold of the movie minute podcast so all right everybody well this is going to do it for uh, episode five of superman movie minute so uh until next week uh, we will see you later bye bye is safe again superman thanks to you no sir don't thank me warden we're all part of the same team night